Tonight I'd like to uh, just talk to you for a few minutes from 1st John, if you'd turn over in the 1st John and uh, the first chapter, and I'll read the uh, chapter, it's a short one, just ten verses, and the uh, first and second of the second chapter. So blessed this morning, seeing souls come to Christ. My heart just rejoices, and I trust you'll keep praying that more and more will come to Christ. One was a mother that I had been praying for for a long time. And uh, I hope you'll pray for the rest of her family now that the Lord may undertake. So keep praying that God will continue to win souls in our midst. The first chapter, First John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. You know, when you read that, I, did you ever break it down? And uh, how John here, under the Spirit of God, He's given you about everything you can, so you can't deny it, you know. He said, we've done everything. <clears throat> that which was from that which we heard, which we've seen, notice that, with our own eyes, which we've looked upon, he wants to get this down clear to you, and our hands have handled, you know, this isn't some fable of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and we bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, here, all our fellowship is based upon the third person of the Trinity. When we say third person, we should be very careful that we have no thought of inferiority. Sometimes I think we say the first person, second person, third person, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Three persons, one God, equal. You see what I mean? Very important. But the third person of the Trinity is left out here. Because the third person is the one that must dwell in you to give you fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, you see. It mentions our fellowship, notice, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And the third person is left out because the third person must dwell in your heart by faith for you to have any fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. You cannot have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son except by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within your breast. You're brought in a very real sense into the Trinity of God. You're placed into the Godhead. I in them, thou in me, that we all may be one. You see? Glorious. Tremendous truth. Only possible to the spiritual mind, remember. The carnal mind cannot see the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. So the world hears that we are part and parcel with God, 
But Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call us his brethren. And they shudder at this. They can't quite fathom it all. How could this thing be? Well, the fleshly mind can never understand this. It's only after you've been born anew, you've been born again, you've come to Christ as your personal Savior, and that by that act of faith you have received the Holy Spirit that suddenly you are conscious, I have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. Isn't it wonderful? Hmm? Isn't it precious? What more could we have asked of God but that he should privilege us by that simple act of faith to receive the third person of the Trinity into our breasts, that we might become one with him, that we all may be one. Isn't that wonderful? Listen to the epistles. For we are members of his flesh and of his bones and members one of another, you see? Not only are we members of him, but we're members of each other, you see? So that this glorious family is so far beyond any family relationship we might have on earth, of the earthly act of a mother and father who brought a child into the world, and with all of that relationship it can't possibly be as close, you see, as this relationship to God, because your earthly parents cannot give you their spirit. It's an impossibility for them to give you their spirit. No child can ever really know their father and their mother. But we know God by the Spirit because we have received his Spirit into our hearts. Listen to this verse. No man knoweth the things of a man except the Spirit of a man. And no man knoweth the things of God except the Spirit of God. So how shall God make himself known to us? By doing what man can't do. A husband can't give his spirit to his wife, so she knows him completely. Thank God. A wife can't give her spirit to her husband so that the husband would know her completely. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Alice is downstairs, that's all right. <laughs> but God gives us his spirit, and by that you know him. See? We know him by the indwelling of the Spirit within us. So that this, this tremendous thing has happened to us by this simple act of faith in Jesus Christ. Have you been born again? Have you been born of the Spirit of God? Because you cannot know God without his Spirit. No man calleth Jesus Lord except by the right? It's an impossibility. Can't do it. And so there is this, this tremendous thing that has happened in our lives that has brought us into the glorious, wondrous family of God. 
being born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God and being brought into the very body of Christ. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, and members one of another. What a tremendous transaction has taken place in our salvation. Members of him. So much so that imagine when Paul says concerning sin, he says, Know ye not that he that joineth himself to a harlot, listen, joins Christ to the harlot? That's the depth of our relationship to Jesus Christ. So there is this tremendous relationship that, that John speaks of here. And these things, he says, write we unto you that your joy may be full. In other words, that you realize this tremendous relationship that has been established by this act of faith in Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son because the Holy Spirit dwells within our breast. And the Holy Spirit is the mind of Christ. Paul says, ye have the mind of Christ. Now, it's not a matter of just salvation. There's so much else that's wrapped up in here. It's a matter of having the mind of Christ in everything you do, in the way you approach life, in the way you approach your family, in the way you approach your loved ones, in the way you approach your business, in the way a mother approaches her children, in the way you approach your giving to God. Everything is guided by the extent that the mind of Christ occupies your soul. Paul says what? Ye have the mind of Christ. And whether that mind of Christ is, is placed in the position which God wants it to be, in the control of our lives, you see. That's the key. Christ in you, your hope of glory. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by the grace of the Son of God who gave himself for me. This is the new life. This is the abundant life that God wants us to live. This is the life that is finally one day going to usher us into the very presence of Jesus Christ, that wonderful faith we have in him. These things write we unto you, what? That your joy may be full. Do you lack joy? then you may lack understanding of your relationship to Jesus. You may lack understanding of the solidarity of your salvation. You may lack the joy because you are allowing the flesh to control instead of the Spirit. You may lack the joy because sin has filtered into your life and has crushed you. For where sin and Christ are in the same place, the Spirit of God is grieved within our breasts, and nobody can have a grieved spirit and a happy disposition of life. If the Holy Spirit is grieved by your life, you will be miserable inside. And so there are these tremendous things that John is saying here, this fellowship we have with God the Father and God the Son through the Holy Spirit. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Understand the enormity, the tremendousness of the position which you have in God and accept it and all of its responsibilities. 
It's one thing to accept all the promises and take all the blessings and accept all the benefits of Christ's salvation, but it's another thing, beloved, if we're not living in the light of every single thing God has given us. And if a man really gets a vision of what Christ has done for him in his heart fully and realizes he's redeemed for time and eternity, his job looks different, his wife looks different, his, his children look different, his business looks different, everything looks different because he has committed himself fully into God's hands. He understands creation, the purposes of creation. He knows why he's here. He knows where he's going. He knows what he's been created for. He knows why God made heaven and earth. For only one reason, and that was to get a family that he could call by his own name and no other reason. If God put you here to get dollars, it's a sad world. You're going to lose it all. Paul says you came into the world with nothing. You're going to go out with what? Hate to tell you. Zero. So, beloved, the only thing that really counts is he wants your joy to be full. He wants you to understand this position you have in Christ. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and this is the verse I want you to notice mostly, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, oh, this is so important, beloved, the confession of sin. In another place it says, Whosoever confesses his sins and forsakes them shall find mercy. And I want to tell you that confessing your sins with uh, underneath that intent that the same thing is going to happen again, you have no intention of a victorious life. Rather keep your mouth shut if that's what it is in your life. But if we confess our sins and forsake our sins, we shall find mercy. That's the key. That forsaking of sin, the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and give us power to win the battle. Because this old flesh is not capable of beating down sin. Sin has a great appeal to the flesh of mankind. The flesh and sin have a response to each other. We can find no excuses in God's Word for sin. We cannot find any place in God's Word that gives us any idea that because life has not been kind to us or because our marriages are not beautiful or because of this or that, God allows. He gives some leeways. There are no leeways. Sin is sin. It's not sin because of the peculiar position you're in or of any other reason. Sin is sin. And we're to remember that God judges sins. He wants us to walk in the light. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's number one. But number two, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. 
And this is the work of the Spirit of God within you. The crucifixion of the lust of the flesh. We should make no mistake about it. That the lust of the flesh are running rampant in the world. And that many Christians have been deceived. Many Christians somehow think we're living in a new age. God has changed. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's judgment on sin will never change one iota. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There'll be no change, beloved, in the judgments of God. His judgments are immutable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God cannot lie. There is no variableness with God. That's what the Scripture says. God is unchangeable. And the mores of this nation may change, but I want to tell you, if the mores change, God can't change. And if the mores change of this nation, the nation will plunge downward and has been plunging downward for years and years and years in its moral stature. And so, beloved, here God is speaking to those that understand. If we confess our sins, we who have found him, we who have loved him as our Savior, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And number two, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is when the sincere heart comes to God and actually confesses the sin and believes that God is going to cleanse and forgive. And this is that heart being cleansed from unrighteousness and unholy thoughts and imaginations and purifying the thoughts of the heart and the mind and remembering that Paul says, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Beloved, God is calling us to a high and a holy calling. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Here it means if there is some incursion of sin into the soul. None of us are sinless. He has just told us that. Sin can come in at some point and defeat us. But I want to say this. God's not speaking here of premeditated sin. God is not speaking of that soul that plans their sin. God is speaking of that sin which seizes you sometimes in tremendous power and envelops you and the Spirit of God that dwells within you, you haven't been feeding aright. The Spirit feeds upon the Word of God. You haven't been studying, you haven't been reading, you haven't been praying and the incursion of sin is quick and powerful and pulls you down and you're defeated. But that kind of a defeat, I've never seen it fail, the bounce back is just as fast. You cry out. But I'm dreadfully afraid of the sin that is planned, the sin that is premeditated and planned upon week by week by week. 
and carried on. Oh, my heart broke this last week. I won't tell you his name, but I just heard of a great preacher I know. Not here in this area. And my, I really am felt very sick over it. But I heard that he had been caught in adultery. And when he appeared before the church, he frankly said it had been going on for years. And then arrogantly said, and you can't put me out of this church. Well, I want to tell you something. They called a business meeting and they had him out in no time. But my heart breaks because Satan is going about like a roaring lion. I want to say this, devouring whomever he will. And we'd better be careful in these last days, beloved. Christians are allowing things today that they didn't allow when they were born again. Christians are allowing things today to infiltrate into their lives that years ago they would have looked with horror upon. As though God has changed. Listen, we don't care what happens outside. We have a life to live for Jesus Christ. And he's called us with a high and holy calling to live it for him. Knowing of whom we've received the life that we now have, that it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me, that the promises of eternity in heaven are ours. And seeing that we look for such things, Paul, Peter says, what manner of men ought she to be in all holy conversation and life? See, this is what God is calling us to. My little children, these things write I unto you. Why? That ye sin not. Listen, it doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. Mark my words. I'm not saying you're going to be sinless. I'm not saying there aren't going to be sometimes an incursion of sin that may crush you. He that saith he hath no sin is a liar. Your imagination may run riot sometimes. Oh, seize it and bring your thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. Immediately when that flashing thought comes through the mind of some evil thing, bring it captive to Jesus Christ. Beloved, I would remind you that when these incursions of sin come in, that God says, Paul tells us, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Conquest, conquering in the name of Jesus Christ. Are any of you have problems with sin, beloved? Are you? Are you having problem with some who knows our sin but God? Hmm? Who knows our sin but God? You're very individual. Your little worlds unto yourself. Only God knows your hearts. Your wife and husband do not really know you. They never could. The scripture says, What man knoweth the things of a, of a man except his own spirit? That's all. 
What man knoweth the things of God except the Spirit of God? Only the Spirit of God knows the things about God. And so, beloved, how about each of us? Is there some sin that may be crushing you, dragging you down? Oh, listen, whatever it is, I want to tell you something. You have a Christ who can conquer for you. You'll have to turn the whole thing over to Him. If you're battling by yourself, you're in for defeat. <laughs> You'll never win. But if it's the Christ in you, the great victor over the grave and death, victory over your sin is not a hard thing for Him. He who conquered death and the grave will not find it difficult to be victor over sin in your life as He dwells within your breast. And so, beloved, remember it says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, may I say this just about the verse of uh, number 7? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, beloved, here's the base of our fellowship. If every Christian will remember that the base of our fellowship is in Jesus Christ and Him alone, whether it's the relationship of man with man, woman with woman, or man with woman, or whatever that relationship may be, or young people, that relationship, beloved, here, it says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, you see. That's the only base of our fellowship. Walking in the light as he is in the light. The light penetrates and searches out the soul. And it searches it at the deepermost parts. And it searches down into the depths and reveals all of the secret sin in the light. Have you ever let the light do that? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, do you understand? My life was transparent. That's what it was. It was transparent. They could find no sin in me. Which of you convinces me of sin? Jesus' life was transparent. Now he says, if you will walk in the light as I have walked in the light, let this glorious light shine into your breast. Let it reveal to you every little sinful capacity that you have. And through that revealing light of Jesus Christ, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, let that light penetrate. Let it dig out for us those things that are defiling our lives and taking away our witness for Jesus Christ. And then, beloved, if we walk in that light, it reveals all sin. All sin. Doesn't matter what it is. And overt sin is opened up to us. We know it's there. Secret sin is seen for what it is. No one else may know about it, but God reveals it by his light. He shines into the soul. He's the light of the world. He says, behold, I am the light of the world. 
and he shines into our soul and he reveals all of the deep recesses of the soul and the wickedness and the cesspool of iniquity in every human being's heart. For all men, it says, are desperately wicked who can know them. For the imaginations, God says, of the thoughts of their hearts are only evil continually. And so he lets the light shine in. And he reveals all the little crannies of our soul. Reveals all the sin to us. And then one by one, as we open up the different doors of our house, the sin is revealed to us and we seek victory from him. Lord, let us walk in the light as you're in the light. Shine through us, Lord. Reveal to us the motives that are impure. Reveal to us the words that are pure flattery. Reveal to us, Lord, all those things that may bring us down into deep sin, the overt sin, the secret sin. All of these things he reveals to us. Sin not acknowledged, he reveals to us. He that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him and his sin. He reveals it all to us. How about your soul? Let me ask you a question. Have you let the light of Christ shine through your soul and made yourself transparent to God? You are anyway, you know. Did you know that? Your soul is transparent to God. He sees right through you, sees every little vicissitude, every little thought, everything that goes on. You're transparent to God. Since you know that this is the way you stand before God, that it says nothing is hid from Him. Then, beloved, isn't it well to say, Lord, I open my breast wide to Thee. Cesspool of iniquity it may be, but by thy blood make me free, cleanse me from my sin, take my heart within, shelter me. Listen, the crying need of the church today is a great cleansing from sin, that it may be the dynamic witness for God, it can't be. How simply he puts it, if we walk in the light, what kind of light, God? As Christ walks in the light. Do you mean that you want me completely exposed to you? Yes, you are anyway. Wouldn't it do well to do a little introspection? Not too deep now and then. And open your hearts wide to God and let him look in at all of these things that may be dragging you down. And I can guarantee you they'll take the joy of the Lord away. There are no people that have the joy of the Lord in their hearts and are leading defeated lives. They don't go together. God gives no joyous experience to a defeated life. The joy of the Lord belongs to the victorious. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. David says after his sin, Restore unto me now, after his confession, the joy of my salvation. 
Salvation is to be a walk of joy. But it can't be a walk of joy unless there's victory over sin. You can't have the two. If you want your sin, forget the joy. And it's a miserable life. But if you want the joy of the Lord in your hearts, victory over sin by the crucifying power of the Holy Spirit. It tells you to crucify the lust of the flesh by the Spirit. And so we have this glorious fellowship with him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what happens? We have fellowship one with another. It's a pure fellowship. It's not carnal. It's not looking for carnal satisfactions. Be careful of the man who wants carnal satisfactions. Be careful of the woman who's looking for carnal satisfactions. This has nothing to do with God. It's deep and defiling and sin. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. Isn't that wonderful? What a fellowship. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, how tremendous, how tremendous. Fellowship with him. Walking in the light. As long as that light is allowed to reveal to us our lives, where they need correction, where we need to get back to a walk with Jesus. I guarantee you that those who are living in sin are not living in the Word. You cannot live in the Word and live in sin. Moody put it well. Moody says, sin, to the Christian, sin will keep you from this book. But this book will keep you from sin. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. Oh, listen, our fellowship is based upon this, this holy fellowship, Franklin Avenue. Yes, praise the Lord. But our fellowship in this church is based upon the blood of Christ and the cleansing from sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, beloved, let us make sure that we're walking, walking, walking with Christ. Paul says, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you are not walking in the Spirit, and you are far off from God. Let us pray. Now, Father, we praise thee for thy precious word, Lord. It's a light to our feet and a lamp to our way. Certainly, Lord, if ever we're to be kept from sin, it must be in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But we are not that strong. We're not made of that kind of material. We're told that time and again that the flesh is a tremendous warrior.
and will seek to defeat us at every turn, that we not only have our flesh, but we have Satan warring against the saints of God, that he may accuse them, as the Scripture says, before the throne of God as failures, as the children of God. Now, Father, we're praying tonight that we might take hold of this verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other and with him and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Holy Spirit, dwell in the hearts of everyone here tonight richly, abundantly, and give them victory over sin. Let them not be defiled in these last days when thou hast warned that in the last days the love of many will wax cold and iniquity will abound. Touch our hearts tonight. May thy spirit speak to us. We thank thee for the fellowship we have with the Father and with the Son through that Holy Spirit that dwells in our breasts by faith in the finished work of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.